hot and you need the air conditioner in your car, we're going to try broadcasting on 87.9. 87.9 if you if you need the uh, the radio trans if something goes wrong with it, I'm sorry, I won't be able to troubleshoot it since I'm up here preaching, but uh, anyway, we'll try to work out the bugs as things go along. Romans chapter 2. If you would turn with me, Romans chapter 2. Now last week, we looked at the godless. In Romans chapter 1, we looked at what happens when man refuses to acknowledge God. He worships the creature instead of the creator. And as a byproduct of that, God gives them up. Uh, God gave them up to, to the uncleanness uh, through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their bodies. God gave them up to vile affections and... And then ultimately, because they didn't want to keep God in their life or in their mind, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. And if you notice the pronouns in one, it's all they and them. They did this and God gave them over to that. And as long as it's they and them, we're okay with it. But Paul's going to turn, he's going to turn it around in and it's not going to be they and them anymore. It's going to be you. So turn with me to Romans chapter 2. Now the end of chapter 1, Paul says, that Knowing the judgment of God, that those who do such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. This is the, this is the ultimate mark of a reprobate mind. Is not only does it participate in wickedness, but it approves, it applauds, it celebrates iniquity. We pick up in verse 1 of chapter 2. Paul says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. Notice he's saying now, you, 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 you. Before I go any further, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Give me a mouth and wisdom, I pray. Add the blessing to the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So he says, you're inexcusable, whoever you are that judges, because you condemn yourself because the one who judges, you do the same things. Here's the, uh, the insidious, uh, horrendous nature of judgmental, hypocritical attitudes. Now, the Bible here is not saying that we are not to exercise judgment righteously. As a matter of fact, all of chapter 1, the end of chapter 1, Paul was saying, look, these things are clearly wrong. So, he's not saying that we should not judge sin, but rather that we should not judge hypocritically. Jesus said on that great Sermon on the Mount, he says, you need to first pull out the beam from your eye, then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The speck needs to still be removed, but only once the beam has been taken out of our own eye. Now, one thing that I have learned and I've seen throughout Scripture is that the sins that we tolerate in ourselves, we find despicable in others. Remember King David? He, he had committed adultery with Uriah Bathsheba, and he... Uh, he conspired to, uh, to, to have Uriah killed. Both of those crimes were capital uh, 
offenses under the Old Testament. You know there was a lot of things that were punishable by death in the Old Testament. You might be amazed to know this. Kidnapping was punishable by death. Uh, murder, of course, was punishable by death. Adultery was punishable by death. Both the male or the female um, was guilty of adultery, and it was a capital crime, which makes that scenario where Jesus found the woman caught in the act of adultery makes it extremely ironic because only the woman was there uh, ready to be stoned. However, the, man, the law required the man to be stoned too. But you see, they had become hypocritical in their judgment. You know something else that was punishable by death was being rebellious to your parents. Did you know that? There's a scripture in Deuteronomy that says that man has a rebellious son who refuses to honor him and he will not hearken to his father and he's drunk and rebellious. They would bring him into the city and the people would stone him. You didn't grow up under the Old Testament. I know I'm glad I didn't grow up under the Old Testament. Uh, there were a lot of things that were punishable by death. Homosexuality was punishable by death in the Old Testament. Things that were uh, punishable, that were capital crimes, and that's another study for another time. But King David had committed two capital crimes. He committed adultery and murder. And Nathan the prophet came to David and told him a little story about a man who had stolen another man's uh, only pet lamb. And David became furious when he, when he heard Nathan telling this story. And he said that that man ought to be killed. He ought to be killed. And what did Nathan say to David? He said, you, or King James, thou art the man. You're the man. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's, you've heard that expression, whenever you're pointing the finger, there's three pointing back at you. Whenever you're pointing the finger at somebody else. And, and David was enraged at his own sin when it was in someone else's life. It's amazing what we're willing to tolerate in our own lives. And Paul says that when we judge another, we condemn ourselves because when we judge, especially when we judge and we are doing the very same thing. I, 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 like, I like to look out for angry preaching. Whenever I find preaching that's particularly angry, usually about some pet thing that they like, some hobby horse that they like to ride, you know that there, might, there may be some sin in their own life that's causing them to be so furious. Because when you have experienced the grace of God, you're not ready to get up in the pulpit and skin everybody alive. You thank God for the mercy and the grace that you've been shown. Verse 2, Paul says, But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which, which commit such things. In other words, wrong is wrong. Uh, Paul says it is wrong for people to, to commit those sins that, that he described in chapter 1. They're, uh, they're clearly forbidden by God. Verse 3, he says, But thinkest thou this? Now the word think, thinketh here in the Greek is gizomai. It's where we get our English word logic from. We like to rationalize things, don't we? You know what rationalize means? It means to rational lies. It makes sense to us, but it might not be right in the sight of God. You know, the book of Proverbs says numerous times, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Don't listen to your own conscience all the time because your heart is desperately wicked. Your, your mind can be uh, corrupted. Your conscience can be seared even to, to not be able to follow this. But he says, do you think this, man, and you judge these them which do such things, and you do the same that you will escape the judgment of God? I guess that's the great hope, isn't it? That's the great hope is that somehow God will punish the evil people in the world, but he'll let us slide. Uh, I heard a story about W.C. Fields, who was not necessarily a, a godly man, but toward the end of his life, he was reading through the Bible. And someone came to him, and they found it unusual that he was reading the Bible. 
And they said, Why, what are you looking for in the Bible? He said, I'm looking for a loophole. Uh, he's looking for some exemption clause. That's what the world is hoping for. They're hoping that the really, really bad people will get punished. And the good people, they suppose, will get to go to heaven. You know, that's the standard by which most people judge. We want to believe that there's justice in the world, don't we? We want to believe that a man like Adolf Hitler will get what he deserves one day. We want to believe that a child molester will get what he deserves. We want to believe that those that are, quote, really bad will get what they deserve. But the truth is, beloved, that each one of us has offended God. Jesus, he raised the standard in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you've heard that it's been said you shall not kill, right? And so a lot of people, they, they rationalize that I must be okay with God. I haven't killed anybody. Do you ever evaluate the end of your day that way? You say, well, this was a pretty good day. I managed to get through the day without killing anybody. I managed to, uh, to commute back and forth to work without flipping anybody off or, or shooting anybody. Uh, but that's not the standard. See, Jesus said, you've heard it's been said, thou shalt not kill. He says, but if you're angry with your brother, if you say, thou fool, you shall be in danger of hell fire. You say, well, I'm a pretty good guy. I've never cheated on my wife. I've never committed adultery against my husband. Jesus said, well, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, but I say unto you that if you have lust in your heart, if you're lusting after this person, you've committed adultery already in your heart. You say, well, I've never stolen anything. Malachi asked this question. God said through Malachi, he says, will a man rob God? And you say, well, how have we robbed you? He said, you've robbed me in tithes and in offerings. And so you see, it's not so easily dismissed. Do we think that we'll escape the judgment of God? Now, here's what happens in verse 4. Those who have a judgmental and a critical attitude, those who look down on the sins of others while tolerating their own sin, they're indicting themselves. He said, do you despise? I want you to notice four words here in verse 4. This stuck out to me more than anything else I read this week as I was preparing this message. There's four things that we need to thank God for. Number one, goodness. God causes the rain to come down for the just and the unjust. And that's to water the crops. That's not just the rain on your parade, by the way. He causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. God, there is a common goodness that God is good to all of us. The fact that you're alive this morning is evidence of the goodness of God. Because it's in Him that we move and we have our being. The fact that your eyes are open this morning, that you can uh, hear and taste and touch and see and feel, your very life, the very breath of life is a gift from God. The goodness of God. And notice another, another word there, forbearance. That means that God is not quick to give us what we deserve. And you better be thankful for that. Thank God that He's not quick. Now, we want justice to be swift for others, don't we? But we want it to be a long time coming for us. We, we're, not, we're not eager to experience the judgment of God. And we hope that one day uh, we can somehow escape this. But, but God says you can't escape the judgment of God. We're all going to be judged by God. The one who even who doesn't believe in him. That will not cancel his appointment with God. He says his forbearance and long-suffering. The Greek word is makrothermia. It's a wonderful word. Long-suffering. It means that God is not quick to anger. God is slow to anger. Do you realize that when God had had all he could take in the days of Noah, he said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. And yet he graciously allowed 120 years before he punished the, the people of Noah's day. 
How about the people that were carried away captive? Do you realize that from the time God started warning the children of Israel, they were going into captivity until it actually happened was 800 years. Here we are 2,000 years from the death, burial, and resurrection from Jesus Christ, and God is still showing us mercy. We're still in the day of grace. Thank God. He said, also, it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Now, I want you to notice in chapter 1, I want you to notice the contrast. In chapter 1, the people want to do their own thing, and because they refuse to acknowledge God, God hands them over. He gives them over to a reprobate mind. But here it says that God is leading us to repentance. It is God's goodness to lead us to repentance. The fact that God gives you an opportunity to repent is the favor and the goodness of God. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? That God does not give us what we deserve. He gives us an opportunity to repent. Praise God. God's goodness leads us to repentance. The reason that we've not been judged for our sin is because God is so gracious to us. He's saying, I want you to just repent. I just want you to get it right with me. I'm giving you every opportunity because I love you so much. But if we refuse to repent during the time of grace, he says in verse 5, he says, after your hardness and impenitent heart. Now, there's an interesting word. Paul was a brilliant man. I love to read Paul's words. Uh, he, he says, you treasure up unto yourself wrath. Literally, you're heaping up wrath. You're storing up. You're putting in deposit for the day of wrath. Notice he talks about this day of wrath. Now, Paul says in chapter 1 that the wrath of God is already being revealed. However, there is still yet a future wrath of God where every man will stand before uh, God. And at the throne judgment, the wrath will be poured out. He says in verse 6, he will render to every man according to his deeds. There will be no exception. Verse 7, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. Now, God is not teaching here salvation by works because uh, he's going to tell us that there's none righteous, no, not one. But he's going to tell us that those who are truly born again will demonstrate by a life of, of works, good works. James talks about two different kinds of faith. He says there's saving faith and then there's dead faith. Faith without works is dead. Uh, John says that he that is righteous practices righteousness. Uh, or if I could say it like Forrest Gump, righteous is as righteous does. Forrest didn't actually, actually say that, but I'm paraphrasing him. I think he said something else. But, uh, but righteousness will, will manifest. Jesus said you will know the tree by what? By the fruit that it bears. A good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit, and a corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit. But he says in verse 8, those who are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. That's what's coming to the ungodly. You say, well, I'm a good person. Don't matter. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, if you've not accepted his sacrifice, you will experience the wrath of God. Because God's standard is not uh, goodness as men suppose. See, we compare ourselves to each other. And I can always find somebody who's doing a little worse than I am and make myself feel better about myself. standard is God's holy son. He is the perfect standard, and we all fall short of the glory of God. Now, in verse 9, this is, this is more, even more vivid imagery here. What was coming on the wicked? Tribulation and anguish. I looked up this word anguish in the Greek. I didn't memorize it, so I'm not going to try to pronounce it. I'm, I'm certainly not going to fake it for you because you'll be fact-checking me. But this word anguish... 
carries with it the connotation of narrowness. Narrowness. And it almost makes me wonder if hell will not only be a place of torment, but a place of solitary confinement. Can you imagine that? You know, that's one of the worst punishments uh, aside from capital punishment. That's one of the worst things you can do to a human being is to lock him up in the dark, in confinement. You know, the Bible speaks of outer darkness. Those who reject God will go into outer darkness. Can you imagine being in torment in solitary confinement for all of eternity? You say, well, that's, you're scaring me, Henry. This is a dreadful thought. This is why today is the day of salvation. This is why today you need to repent while there's still time. Anguish upon every soul. Notice there's no exemption here. Every soul of man that doeth evil. He says of the Jew first and also of the Greek. In other words, it doesn't matter what your nationality is. Uh, the Jews thought that they, were, they, they had a special um, exemption clause because they had received the law from God. But, but God says it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. If you reject Jesus Christ, you will go into eternity lost. You will experience the anguish and the torments of the lake of fire. It doesn't matter. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Verse 11, he says, For there is no respect of persons with God. That's a, that's a fabulous verse for you to memorize because it says that God is not a partial judge. You've probably seen the, uh, the depictions of the Statue of Justice and she's, got, she's wearing a blindfold and sometimes she, her hands are showing that she doesn't receive bribes. God is an impartial judge. He has one standard. You say, well, how can a loving God send anybody to hell? Well, he doesn't. People choose to go there. But if God is righteous and loving, he has to punish sin. He has to. There has to be justice in the world. Verse 12. He says, many as have sinned without the law shall perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. People will ask sometimes, well, what about the person who's never heard uh, the gospel? What about the person who's never uh, had the privilege of going to a church somewhere? How could God possibly send them to hell? Remember in chapter 1, Paul says that God has revealed himself to every human being through creation. Every person, God has revealed himself through creation. Whether they have a copy of the Bible or not, God has revealed himself. And they will be responsible for the light that they have or have not responded to. And he says the ones who, who, who reject God without a copy of the Scriptures, they'll be judged accordingly. God's judgment will be fair. Do you realize this? God's judgment will be fair. There, were, there are degrees of punishment in hell. The Bible teaches this. Jesus told the people who had rejected him when he, in his earthly ministry, he called out several cities by name. You know what he said to them? He said it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for you. He talked about the men of Nineveh repenting at the preaching of Jonah. He talked about the Queen of Sheba coming to hear uh, the wisdom of Solomon. And that the people will be, will be judged according to the degree of light that they've received and what they've done with it. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. This is a biblical principle. And so God's judgment on the last day will be fair. It will be fair. He says, not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified in verse 13. You know, I think sometimes we comfort ourselves in the fact that we like to listen to sermons. And this is especially dangerous for preachers, too. You know, just because I study the Word of God and I'm able to communicate it to you, give me an exemption from doing the Word of God. It's, that's what Paul is coming at here. It's not enough just to preach, but 
to do. James said, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. If not, you're deceiving yourself. Your religion is vain. It's not, sometimes we ease our conscience. We say, well, I came to Sunday school today, or I came to church today, and I've done my penance. I put in my hour. God, I've done what's required of me. But God's not looking for you just to hear the word of God. He wants us to do the word of God. Now, verse 14 he expounds on this idea. He said, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law unto themselves. Now, what does that mean? Let me try to explain it in simple terms. You can go to almost any civilization on planet Earth. You can go even to remote villages. And even amongst these people who are not civilized, who are not educated, you will find a code of morality there. People instinctively know that murder is wrong. You know, even people in prison, have you noticed this? Even people in prison, those who have been put in for, for murder and robbery and violence and all kinds of things, they have no tolerance for child molesters. Why? Because they know it's instinctively wrong. And even every society, they somehow innately know. You know why? Because God created man in his image. And whether he acknowledges God or not, that conscience that God puts within us. Let me get to verse 15. It says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile, accusing or else one another. Even people that don't believe in God will still tell you that there are things that are right and things that are wrong. Some, sometimes people say to me, well, I don't believe in God. I say, well, okay, then is it all right for me to come into your house and steal everything you've got? Well, no, that would be wrong. I say, well, what makes that wrong? Well, it's just wrong. Well, where's the standard of morality? Our standard of morality comes from our Creator. God created human beings with a conscience. And so every society, no matter how civilized or uncivilized, still instinctively knows that it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to murder, it's wrong to commit adultery. God has given everyone a conscience. Now, people's conscience can be seared. You know, they can refuse to listen to their conscience, and their hearts can be hardened. If they refuse to respond to that. But nevertheless, whether a person has hurt, some people say, well, I just, I'm not going to listen to any preaching, and that way I won't be accountable. That's not how it works, friend. God's accountable to what you know and the opportunity that you were given. And every person, I really fear for America, I fear for anybody in America who rejects Jesus Christ. I really do. I fear for anybody in America who rejects Jesus Christ because we have had so much access we've got the word of god printed in how many different translations now i don't even know how many translations we've got there's no excuse there's churches on every corner there's people preaching the gospel uh, uh, up until now this nation has been pretty pro-christian it's been pretty, uh, pretty amicable to those who worship god i fear for any american christian any american excuse me who, who stands at the white throne judgment having refused Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Verse 16, it says, In the day, this is the last verse we'll look at this morning. In the day. There is coming a day, friend. There's one appointment that you're going to keep. You're not going to be able to reschedule it. You're not going to be able to cancel it. And every day that passes by, you're one step we're one day closer to, being, to meeting God. We're one day closer either to Jesus Christ returning again for the church or we're one day closer to the day of our death where we will stand before God Almighty. And it says God will judge. Now notice what he's, Paul says here. 
It's an important phrase. God will judge the secrets of men. In other words, he's going to judge you for the real you. Not for the ones that people think you, not for the you that people think that you are. That's, that's reputation. A lot of folks are concerned about the reputation. But God's concerned with your character. That's who you really are. That's what you are when nobody's watching. That's who you are, that your integrity is what you are and what you do when nobody is watching. And God is going to judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That is the standard by which we will be judged. You're not going to be judged based on how, how well you did compared to your neighbor. When you stand at the judgment seat, the, at the white throne judgment, God is not going to have you side by side with somebody else and, and compare the two of you. He is going to judge you based on your works. Christian, you'll be judged on your work that you've done after you got saved. It won't be a judgment for salvation. It'll be a judgment of works, a judgment for rewards. But for the white throne judgment, people are going to be judged for every thought, word, deed, or action. And Jesus said the same judgment that you exercised on others, that same standard will be applied to you. That's a lot to think about this morning. I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, time is running out. The sand is going through the hourglass. You need to repent and believe the gospel. Repent. It is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. It is God's goodness that brought you to this church this morning. It is God's goodness that brought you to this broadcast on Facebook or YouTube this morning. It is God's goodness who brought you to this place to give you an opportunity to escape his forbearance, his long-suffering, his goodness, his love for you. God loved you while you were still a sinner. That's what the Bible teaches that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That when we were dead in trespasses and sins, God, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, he quickened us, he made us alive. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul did not teach that salvation is by works, but he that judgment is going to be according works. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, today is, is, is maybe your last opportunity. I saw where South Carolina issued the last call uh, ordinance this weekend. This might be your last call when you hear from God. Don't squander that opportunity. And believer, maybe you saw yourself in Romans 2 today. Maybe you found yourself being really judgment, judgmental of others and tolerating sin in your own life. And I, and I know I've become uncomfortable. This week has been uncomfortable for me because I realize that I've been very angry at the sins of others and judgmental of the sins of others and, and not realizing the things that I've tolerated in my own life. May God have mercy on all of us. So believer, maybe this would be a great time for you to repent and make things right with God because it is the goodness of God that leads you and I to repentance. Brother Ronnie.